Welcome to Comedy Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Kate Siegel. I'm Nikki Urban, and our guest today is stand-up comedian and the creator, co-creator and producer of Trash Talking. It's Allie Lou coming back onto Comedy Girl Crush. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you. How how are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> I love like before the podcast is like, oh, natural conversation. Yeah. And then we're like, hello. I lose a podcast. We just talked for like 15 minutes and I'm, I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's, every, it's every fucking time I get on a every podcast. Time. I'm like, yeah. hello, my name is Ali Lu. Like, you know, we're, we know each other. <laughs> also, uh, <laughs> I have not stopped putting on perfume before a Zoom. I, re- oh. I really thought that that habit would have been broken by now. But no, I still was like, who cares? Yeah. I love that, man. I never got in the habit of like making myself look presentable during quarantine, <laughs> like even just for my own sake. You Yo, know? I am still not wearing pants though. <laughs> like, how, <laughs> my boyfriend is like, "How are you gonna do like a wing liner and not wear pants?" <laughs> this is. It's been. I, I was listening to our last episode and I was like. Is she like a young gal of 21, just so fresh and ready to take on the world? It's like one year later, I'm like, no pants, no pants. But I'm still like, I'm still ashamed of my ethnic cooking in the house that I'll put perfume on for a Zoom. Like that, that's like how deep rooted it goes. Uh, but are you guys cooking a lot? Yeah, that's like all we do now. That is freaking. I did see on your social media, like, you guys like make real food. Like, you guys like make like <laughs> dishes. Like, Laura and I just like are like, I don't know, meat, vegetable, grain, and that's a meal, right? <laughs> you guys like make food. Yeah, well, you're playing fast and loose with the term you guys. It's mostly me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Baldev, Baldev has won one cook-off. Um, but yeah, I for me, it's like it was a way to structure my day. Mm. And I got moved to part-time. Like, I got moved to part-time at a new job that I had started. So let's recap with, with the audience. Last time I was on, I was managing a restaurant. Uh, I was about to sell my TV show. Yeah. And agents were calling me. And then the pandemic. You had a meeting with one, like, that week. Yeah. 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 We ended up meeting with like five people. We picked someone that we loved um, and then they didn't survive the pandemic. (gasps) Um, Yeah. Everyone crumbled, but like we have it back and it's out there again because people are like really trying to get more content going. And like we had the pandemic to figure out like, okay, how are we going to shoot in this new post-pandemic world? So now we have answers to questions as things change in the world every day. But for the same <laughs> concept? For the same yeah. show concept? For the oh, same, for the same concept. Cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh. It, it was too good of an idea to, like, let die, you know what I yeah. mean? And it's like, um, during the pandemic, we're like, okay, we're fine, so we don't need to contribute to any of the noise. Let's just be quiet and um, not use it as, like, a writing retreat. But, like, how are we going to survive doing what we want to do in this new world. Like we took a very pragmatic approach to what we're doing with our time, albeit with like a few meltdowns and like my mom got COVID like really bad. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Is she okay? Yeah, she's fine, but she still can't smell. Yeah, oh, she whoa. Got the long COVID. She got the long COVID. Ooh. Yeah, they said that you 
Yeah. They say that you also lose your taste when you get COVID, but she still knows, like, I dress terribly, so that didn't affect me. <laughs> <laughs> Not great. She still has perfect pitch. Yeah, she is. She is ridiculous um and she was actually one of the people who was like okay well uh what are you gonna do are you gonna like do data entry forever or are you gonna figure this out because like of course we all were like what the hell are we gonna do yeah and then you look outside your window or you open the computer and see like just atrocities every day (laughs) and so you just have to be like okay i'm so fucking lucky that i have a roof over my head Mm -hmm. part-time work if any work at all and just like stay focused. And that's what we did. So we kept the same concept and that's like still out in the world and we're doing well. We're back doing standup. Um, but we were really, really losing our minds with like long stretches of day. Like comedians need to be in the world or like not in the world. <laughs> I think that's like not in the world at all or like in the world because too much alone time is not good. So we just decided to do these cook-offs. Like Food became such a huge part. Like, I've always been about food. My parents are, like, super into food. um, And we couldn't afford takeout every night. Like, there was a a week, there were, like, two weeks where we had ordered takeout every day. Oh, damn. Every day. And so then I was like, okay, you know what? I feel bad about myself. I feel bad about my body. I feel bad about my bank account. (laughs) What's going to hold me accountable? Um, And I had just, like, gotten out of this really discouraging meeting that someone called that I didn't ask for. And they were like, you need to figure out what you want to do. You need to commit to losing 40 pounds or you need to gain 40 pounds. Or, yeah, lose 40 pounds or gain 40 pounds because you're in a weird in-between size. And as I was saying all this to Boldev, he was like, that's absurd. <laughs> and so I that just started. That makes me angry. Like, what kind of yeah. advice is that to give someone? Like, yeah. just yeah. You know, messing with people's health and, like, well-being, you know? Well, and, like, sir, may I remind you, you found me. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm minding my own business. <laughs> my ex-husband used to say that shit to me all the time. He'd be like, you need to gain or lose 20 pounds. I was like, mm, how about I just stay the same? Yeah. How about I just continue being really funny and good at my job? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so I, so I got pissed and I started writing and then they were also like, you don't have much of a social media following. And I was like, I hate it. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. Like I look at my friends, I have like very successful friends and they like don't have followers at all. <laughs> they don't go online. They're like not around. And I'm like, oh, my God, to live that life. Like, but I have to perform. Mm -hmm. And if I want to keep performing, I have to have followers and all that to like sit in the back of some room pitching jokes. That's all I want to do. Yeah. So I was like, okay, fine. Um, And TikTok was like popping and I was still so afraid of it. Um, But then I started watching and then like really absorbing and learning from it. And I was like, okay, well, the stuff that really works is like, people who are authentic Mm -hmm. because you can tell when someone is trying too hard and like I'm allergic to that Mm -hmm. and and then I just started doing my stand-up bits to the mirror and then I gained like a really small but loyal following and went viral like three months into it and that's how I like was able to keep sharp on stand-up and like preserve my material um which was great and then they loved all the cooking stuff so that like kind of became part of it and I started this blog that was you know a comedic blog about like 
body issues and I made a commitment to myself. I was like, okay, by this time next year, it doesn't matter if I've gained any weight or lost any weight. I'm going to be out in the world in a tank top. Hell yeah. <laughs> that was, Hell that, yeah. That was just like the, and this was like this time last year. Uh, we were house sitting for some friends and I was started writing and kind of scheming and figuring it out. And then as the year unraveled into more COVID <laughs> nonsense, um, it just kind of became like, this endless well to draw from. I'm actually curious about like the the cooking that you're doing. Like, are you doing like family recipes? Are you like going out there and trying out like new things or a mix of both? Yeah, it's a mix of both because my boyfriend's Indian and I'm Filipino. So we have like a ton to like draw from. Um, my dad is such an incredible cook. Like he cooks better than he does anything, I think. <laughs> but um he, he's like an engineer, so he takes like a very scientific approach to his cooking. So it's all so precise. And I'm kind of a little bit more like, this doesn't feel right. So add more yeah. of this. Yeah. Or, or I take basic logic, like flour is going to thicken something. How thick do I want it? You know, play with it that way. But he's like very precise. Um, and it's kind of my, my same approach to joke writing is the same approach to cooking. Like if it doesn't feel right, I'm not going to say it. Yeah. I think it's really cool that you like you've taken like your stand up jokes like and have been able to transform them into like TikTok. Like is that have you noticed that being like a, a trend with people or do you feel like you like like stumbled onto like, oh this is brilliant. Haha, I've already written this material. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, I, I have a pack that I make with myself where it's like I want the most authentic version to come out. So it's only one take. I only do one take of everything that I do to the mirror um, because I have to save all my like editing and storytelling for other projects. So TikTok really just has to be like instant gratification relief. So if I do like a stitch or like a duet with someone, I have to have the joke already said before. Mm -hmm. I do it, you know what I mean? Or something has to really make me laugh to do it. And so I find like the TikTok audience is very similar to a regular audience in that they just want to be talked to, not talked at. And luckily a lot of my standup is inquisitive and engaging already. So that just yeah. kind of naturally translated Yeah. Um, based on the day. Like I don't wear makeup in any of them. I basically just like in my bathroom. <laughs> Uh, where I am and that has it's just like huge and I was really really afraid of like the backlash from TikTok like I thought I was gonna get the worst of the internet just based like that's the fear that you have as like a big brown loud woman is that you're just gonna get told to kill yourself which only 45 people told me to do that uh, but <laughs> did you count it but I did I did I, I, I had to stop counting because uh what they don't tell you here's what I don't like about viral people like we know pe comedians who've gone viral we know you know people in our lives who have gone viral and who get a million notifications a day I don't understand how they can become so apathetic to it when every beep I get, I'm like, wow, that's a stranger who doesn't know me, who took time to like engage. Yeah. And it's like, I've performed in arenas. Like I know what it's like to get attention. I was very loved as a child. <laughs> I still to this day cannot believe people take the time to watch anything I do. So I had to learn, like, turn notifications off, like, otherwise, like, all day long, I'll be like, do I respond to all that? I don't know what to do. 
It would, I mean, it would eat your entire life if you had to yeah. respond to everybody who engages, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's There's crazy. No way. Yeah, but that's so cool. And I think like TikTok is interesting to me because, like, yes, there are people of all ages on that platform, but it does st- steer younger, and like younger people are on the whole, I think more aware, more tolerant, like the next generation is the better of us. I definitely feel that. And like, of course they're gonna be shit bags in every generation and every generation. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know what I mean? But I think yeah. that like the next generation is like, you just, you can just kind of see it in the way that a lot of young people engage with each other. They're more aware of pronouns. Like even people who are liberal my age, like still struggle to like, maintain pronoun or like you know what i mean and well katie this is america no one knows what a pronoun is you know what i mean it's just <laughs> you have you have to be more tolerant okay yes. true. you know what i am very intolerant of a lot of intolerance so if you take if if you take any of my text messages with my mom out of context canceled immediately <laughs> Canceled immediately. She will text me, I am anti-trans. And I'm like, what? And then she'll send a picture of my stepdad in transitional glasses. And I'm like, that uh, is, she, is risky. Is she joking? Does she, is she like doing No, that? she just calls trans. She, I'm anti-trans. That's what she's calling. Transitional trans. Yes. Oh my God. And I'm like, I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> she's like, she's ru- he ruined all the photos. She's not wrong about transitional lenses, though. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, on everyone. It's it's a it's not okay uh, on any given day. Um, but and it just like emphasize that I am like on such a micro level of viral. Like I know people who get like fifteen million views or have like thirty seven million followers, and I'm like, man, good for you. You're clearly not running the show over there. So I feel bad for your social media manager. Um, yeah. But it's it's still like so. It's what kept me going through the pandemic where it's like, oh, people don't have to come see me. I can just be out there and they'll find me. Yeah. So you had like overall, it sounds like you had a positive experience with TikTok and like getting getting platformed there and getting seen there. Yeah, I'm like I'm like plateaued at 7000 followers. That's as good as I was going to get. Um, it's that I'm not hot enough to get followers, but I'll get like likes. Oh, <laughs> they won't commit they won't commit to seeing me every day but they're like oh that was I'll, I'll throw you a like um <laughs> but yeah it's great it's such a fun place to play like I my algorithm is so all over the place like I love the musicians who get on TikTok and like compose full scores remotely yeah. you know like they they managed to figure out sound but no one knew how to lit, light LeBron in Space Jam like what <laughs> <the> <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> and and that's like honestly what has kept me going through this whole thing. It's like I am s- such a reluctant performer that it's been like probably n- the number one fight in my relationship is like me wanting to quit every day. And my boyfriend is just like you you're just going to complain every single day. Like so you have to decide like and ultimately, it's like, if I'm going to change how anything is done, like, if I'm going to get LeBron lit well, I'm going to have to be the one that says, can you fucking light LeBron? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you have, like, that's the only way anything is going to change. And we're on such, like, this micro level 
but that's where it starts. Yeah. And you, in the last time we talked, you mentioned that something you wanted to do was to create opportunities for other POC, for other people. You like want to be the one giving people those opportunities because you recognize like that it is the people in the leadership positions that are really the ones who need to, you know, change and have that change needs to start there. Yeah. Um, and do you and so I'm you know you guys started working on trash talking like do I and I it feels sort of like you're like really like you're ready you're taking the reins on like wanting to create opportunities for people and kind of level up yeah it's crazy it's like the equivalent of having to write an hour to get three minutes like I had to learn how to run a show so that I can be hired to be like a punch-up writer somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it really is like having to draw the whole picture first when all I want to do is like be that tree over there. Oh. You know what I mean? Interesting. So like, yeah. Uh, And mostly just because like I'm really fucking difficult to work with. Like I, (laughs) it's not even a lie. I am super intense. Uh, I like deadlines and I don't always have a nice voice when I talk but (laughs) like I just it's for it's just such a waste of time so it's like while I loved being on Fembot I knew that like it just was not the right fit it was like it was like taking a master class right having zero sketch experience and then being on a graduated team I was like okay cool this is a great room to be in and then as I saw my future a little more clearly I was like, okay, it's not about fun anymore. Like I need to work and I am not nice to work with and I like these people. So I'm going to peace out. And then I still like talk to them almost every day. And, you know, Julia is my head writer. Yeah, Um, there are a lot of the fembots are in trash talking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's just amazing. Like taking the skills that I learned from like watching and then also having to do like it sucks because I feel like we were robbed of having the time to bond and do like live shows together which was where a lot of like you know chemistry happens um and then the pandemic it was just like all virtual yeah it was completely virtual uh you couldn't really get a sense of energy you know, so we did the best that we could, I think. And I think that we came out with like some really good shit. Yeah. Um, and I fell in love with f- like filmmaking through Fembot, which is like a huge gift. Because yeah. um, I realized like, oh, I really, really don't like performing, mm. but I really, really do love writing and producing. And, uh, and you're a, gr- and and you're a phenomenal producer. Like you, you're on the shit. You like get those like you get those names you get those deadlines like you really really killed it you brought like a different edge and a different motivation than we'd had before and it was really really fucking cool um yeah i was gonna ask like i think before when we interviewed you before at that point you had done like a mostly stand up and a little bit of like starting to do more sketches and like writing more like musical uh musical comedy for uh the nightcap Uh, and then after that was when, uh, when like we asked you to join Fembot. Um, how did you? Uh, what was it? What was like? What was that like for you to be like go from, you know, hardcore like stand up into sketch? Was it weird to adjust to the um, to the group dynamic for you? Yeah, I have. Uh, 
I have granny issues. It's not daddy issues. It's granny. <laughs> I'm like really insecure from not going to college. <laughs> so whatever, whenever I'm in like an environment that feels like school, I'm always like, I have to, like, I could have gone to Juilliard. Remember? Like I, that part of me still kicks in. Um, but it was really scary at first. And Boldev was like, you have to do it because it's like being homeschooled too long. Stand up. It's, it's not great. We are not real people. You know, like it's really difficult. And so being on Fembot around like, like girls who have it a little bit more together too. Um, and who really have a firm grasp on structure and like the art of it. That was really cool. That was like being like formally educated I feel like but like at a cool arts college that I didn't have to <laughs> turn anything in and um I loved Curtis yeah I thought Curtis was great he really knows how to just let a, an idea play out and he like massages it yeah to where it's still this the same idea like he hasn't replaced your idea which I think is really cool um, but I, it was definitely intimidating because I, again, not, not good social skills, not good people skills. I literally have to read a book every day called the art of nonviolent communication. <laughs> it is <laughs> not a good time, but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was really, really fun to like, like I didn't know what the notes process was. Mm. I just like my, my version of notes is my mom being like, that's not funny or that's a stupid dress or that like, it's just very like to the point, direct change, change, change. Yeah. Um, and the way that Fembot communicated with each other, um, respectfully, I learned a great deal from them um, while also managing to hurt my boyfriend's feelings every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a little me, a little them. It's, uh, uh, it's great. But um, yeah, having, having to force like uh, group dynamics are difficult in the first place. And having to do them online, it's even worse because yeah. you don't know what's going on behind the screen, you yeah. know? Like, and I'm a, I'm a really bad sufferer in silence. Like, no one will know. It's either no one knows I'm having a bad day or everyone knows I'm having a fucking bad day. Like, there's no no in between. And um, at least, like, when you're in person, you feel that energy and you can read body language and, and all that. But I look back, I watched a bunch of Fembot stuff, um, and I, th I really think that we were the group that kind of had a better handle on the transition from live to digital. I think that they, I, I appreciate how willing they were to jump in and try something that was the opposite of what they're used to, which is like instant gratification of an audience, yeah. right? Yeah, it was definitely weird. Yeah, super weird, but also like really valuable. Like, I think it was a good opportunity like the people who really took that opportunity uh, during the pandemic to learn, like what I love that there was a lot of stand-up comedians who were very like, oh, I won't do stand-up comedy on Zoom. But you, on the other hand, like you not only did stand-up comedy on Zoom, but you then like made money doing that. Like yeah. that blows my mind. <laughs> it was, <laughs> honestly, I love Zoom stand-up. It's, ah. I love it. I love it. It's, I'm in my home. I can look into your home. If you're going to, are you not going to laugh? You, you know what I mean? You saw like a red solo cup tower behind you, dude. You're 35. <laughs> like, like, oh it's my gosh. You can heckle people. Yeah. Like you can yeah. crowd work in such a um, yeah. more intimate way. I didn't I did, think about that. I did a corporate Zoom. I did like a slew of corporate Zooms. Um, 
And I was like, okay, go everyone go into the chat and just private message me who annoys you the most in your office. Like this is your chance. And it's it was just so fun to engage with people in a different way and like virtual happy hours were great. Um, virtual club shows like Sammy Obeyed does KO comedy mm-hmm. um, and his he they have been cranking out shows every Friday Saturday Sunday sometimes even Thursdays through the pandemic for free for free and then people donate and then we get paid through the donations and like every show I have done there has been like the same audience members so they come and they're loyal and I think like that was super encouraging during the pandemic was Sammy still doing that when he had COVID yeah. Like he just didn't stop even though he he was like Sammy, he was like dying. <laughs> oh, Sammy is uh he's like I've had these little pandemic guardian angels that have kind of come through for me in the pandemic. And Sammy Obeyed, not only not only is he a fucking joke machine, like just like a machine gun joke machine, uh he works harder probably than anyone I've ever met. He has been sick, he has been like dealing with personal shit and like he went super, super TikTok viral with um, all the these jokes and stuff about Palestine. And TikTok took him down. And he, yeah, but he's like still going. Like that dude is the most resilient. And at the beginning of the pandemic, he was offering like com- comedy consultations. And I was like, you know, if anyone is going to get my money, like it's going to be Sammy. So we had a session together and he was just like, honestly, uh, I feel bad taking your money because you know what you're doing. Just clean it up and you could probably do late night. And I was like, okay, that's ah. it. Like he, that man knows how to work. And he provided all of these opportunities to comics. Like a lot of people work because of Sammy. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's very cool. Uh- and Zoom comedy is like being homeschooled. Like that's where I, <laughs> that's where I thrive. <laughs> Like, I'm in my element. I don't get nervous. Like, it's great. That's cool. Um, uh, uh, Let's talk about uh, trash talking. So, at first, (laughs) yeah, we want to talk about that. Uh, I know Kate and I both uh, watched the episode, uh, and it was great. Like, super, super funny and fun. Um, What, uh... So at first, were you uh, were you trying to do it monthly at first? And because uh, it's been a couple of months since your last one, right? Yeah, we so first uh, my friend Jerry Hernandez, who you know, yeah. he's great. He was over one day, and we were talking about uh, a late night show concept that I had, um, and he was like, "No, I don't think you should do that. I think you should do this." And he pitched like a Wendy Williams type pop culture internet talk show. And it followed like a lot of the late night beats. Mm -hmm. But after the first episode, I was like, this is like not me. Like, I don't want, I don't give a fuck about any of this. (laughs) I don't, and like, I don't want to do the same thing that everyone's doing just on the internet with videos. Um, But I'm like a huge fan of the Larry Sanders show. Like I love 30 Rock. So I was like, let's do something a little bit with more of a narrative about people trying to like go viral on the internet. And, um, we, we set out to do like a, a New Year's one and then a Valentine one. And then I was just like, I, I can't do this topical thing anymore. Um, and so we decided to just kind of let Le- Lexi, who the, is the host of the show, um, let her play. And so I was like, let's do a 420 episode. And it really s- settled into more of a narrative. So now it's more episodic than it is topical. 
And the next episode is a full-blown musical, which I've been working on music for, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, there were the musical breaks in this most recent episode, episode four, were my favorite parts. I think there's like (laughs) all the beach musical breaks, like so well written, so funny and so relatable. Like I am that girl walking on the sand looking for her friends. (laughs) (laughs) So good. And then the, the last song is like. You know, you like it, the essence of what you've been talking about. I think this whole podcast is like, bitch, I do comedy. Like, yeah, it, yeah. it's so like it was it's, it's got, you know, very uh, crazy ex-girlfriend vibes to it. Like it was just really fun. It, and it like it is different. I do see the difference from like the first episode mm-hmm. to now. And I yeah. and I like where it's going. I really like where it's going. Well, it really was about like learning on the fly because like i i don't make money off this show i lose money like i work a day job staring at an excel spreadsheet so that i can pay my dp i pay all my producers i pay all my writers i feed all my actors like there's that this is the change that i want right like i learn everyone's name i fucking care about what they're doing i accommodate as many people's schedule as i can because that's not what you see happening in the real world mm-hmm. You know, and my team is like the tightest because it's my friends. Like I went into this pandemic and I came out of it with one thing, which is only make things for free with your friends. Otherwise get paid. I'll do something with someone I hate if I'm getting paid for it. (laughs) And they they won't even know I hate them. Because you're Cause a professional like, guy. Oh my god! Yeah, this this is not for the faint of heart. It's for people who really want to. It's for people who really want to be there. Carolina Reynoso and Kali McKay, they're my emotional support Gen Zers. Carolina is she stars in it. She runs audio sometimes. She brings people back and forth from the parking garage with my parking pass because we shoot illegally at my work. <laughs> <laughs> like. You know, and Kali, she'll be up all night like this happened tonight. Lexi can make a joke about this. Like they live and breathe it. And I I, I can't pay them. And it's because they want to be there and they show up. And if I'm throwing a temper tantrum, they're like, are you OK? <laughs> or like, are we doing something wrong or are you not getting your way? Like they know how to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see anyone wanting to do that unless you're they're friends with you (laughs) yeah totally and they get they get banging footage out of it because my dp nietzsche hoskins who's like an incredible writer and director also she makes everyone look good like the show looks good because the lens is love even if we're shitting on people it's the best version like you watch that cut and you find out my boyfriend edits it you can tell that's how he sees me that's how much he loves me no yeah, and it's like it's a, it's pretty amazing because I'm a fucking nightmare on set. <laughs> yeah, it's really sweet, you guys. So you guys developed a show together that you're working on, you know, uh, getting options made, and then you also are working on this. You guys co-direct this. Um, do you like? Are you with him while he's doing the editing? Uh, he does long stretches and then I come in and give notes and he's like, (laughs) but but like, he'll, like, he'll fight me on things that are like ridiculous asks or unrealistic or next time we need to get it in 
we need that shot or we need this. Like he is also learning on the fly. Like he he's not an editor by trade. Yeah. So this is some this is like a real labor of love. Like you guys are working together to like develop your skill set and like level each other up. That's amazing. Well, it's the greatest demonstration of value. What can you do for yourself or like Mm -hmm. with your team? Right. Like I everything that I do, I don't care about the views. I don't care how many people are watching it. It's when that one person asks me, what do you have? I'll be like all this. And I made it myself. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I very much don't rely on a comedy daddy. I have always done everything by myself. And Boldev, he's like, well, if people know I have my hand in this, it also looks good. It's great for me. You know what I mean? Like, it's a very, uh, again, pragmatic approach to (laughs) our career while also being like a huge education for us. Um, I saw a lot of stuff that went out there that looks like shit and was not funny enough to look that shitty. <laughs> like I don't, and th- and that's the worst thing that I could possibly hear for myself. So I'm like, all right, well, it's gonna be funny, and if it looks like shit, it's because we don't know how to do it. So we gotta learn how to do it. Yeah, and honestly, I think it's like a testament to just again, like you know, you guys are learning on the fly. This most recent episode, I think just technically the way it looks, the way it sounds, the way it's written, like the way it's edited, like your first episode was already good, but you can see, like you can really see like what just putting the work in looks like. And like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, and I think it's crucial for people. And like, you are such a great example of this, but to not tell yourself you can't because you've never done it before. Just fucking do it and try. Yeah. Absolutely. We're all we're all allowed to be bad. Yeah, <laughs> we're all. That's what Boldev has taught me, like through this whole thing. He's like, you're allowed to like have a first draft. That's not a final draft. Wait, what? And I was like, nobody told me that. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. And he was like, is that why it takes you so long to do something? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, the goal isn't to have no notes. And I was like, but it is to me. And he's like, well, you should change that. And then I did. And then I've done more work. What a beautiful partnership. Yeah, he like really, really roots for me um, and kind of sees all this potential that like I, I, I didn't see and like no one told me. And so basically I just do it because he was like, you can. I'm like, oh, OK, and then I'll try it. And then I like it. So <laughs> <laughs> really, <laughs> like I really like it. Awesome. And do you- I really like it. I, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask uh, like what do you like? What do you like the most? Like what's your favorite, favorite, I favorite? Like- Oh, I love not being accountable for what comes out of her mouth. She's her own person. Like, uh-huh. like the idea of naming a show after me makes my asshole twitch. I can't. Like, uh, I, it doesn't. No, I can't do it. Um, so she is a transplant. And so the perspective is like, everyone in L.A. is so absolutely full of shit. Like, <laughs> behind every photo of someone against a background of flowers is them having to ask their parents to pay their rent you know what I mean like there's it's not great to live here sometimes but we love what we do and so we do it and so the perspective of like what goes down underneath the Hollywood sign for me was just like too much fun like LA is the most ridiculous place to live I got rejected by a homeless person like I gave them food and they were like this is a turkey burger and I'm like wow beggars in LA can literally be choosers (laughs) 
It's amazing. It's the most ridiculous place on earth. And transplants are hilarious. They're all the main character. Everyone is the main character. And those people deserve to be made fun of, which I'm (laughs) very good at doing. So for you, like, it's like there's like it's the freedom of playing this character and getting to say these things that like are not your take, but like. Like it's like to just like be this person and not be responsible for their shit, their shitty opinions. Oh, it's 100 percent my take. (laughs) Very clear that it is 100 percent my take. Um, Just the freedom of honesty. Like I think the most successful people who come out of L.A. are the people who don't say anything when someone farts in the elevator. I think those people are 100 percent going to make it in this industry if someone farts in the elevator with me i'm like who did it who (laughs) farted it smells so bad so the day that i can keep my fucking mouth shut in an elevator is the day that i will probably succeed at something but till then i get to be an asshole on the internet and it's wonderful because i'm not an asshole i just am shy like (laughs) i'm a shy person that is forced to talk yeah Hmm. yeah forced to talk because like in your experience and what you're finding is like it's not enough to just be a writer people want and is that something that you've encountered a lot in meetings with agents and managers oh yeah yeah all the time um i want nothing more than a lit rep i the way that i hear music is the way i hear dialogue i'm a writer like i can write in whatever voice just don't ask to hear mine because i don't know it yet like that's what lexi is right now you know what i mean and so i hate the idea that to be staffed somewhere you have to have this pilot this pilot that is supposed to be this calling card of who you are and what you bring to the table and how malleable you can be and where can we fit you and it's like, that's why I love specs, right? Because you get the show, you can write, in the, I can write specs for days. Mm-hmm. But what they want is an original pilot. And it's like, well, I don't have the experience yet. I don't have all this. But Boldeva's like, you just put out 100 hours of television. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah. So this musical episode is really like a, a pilot, a sizzle, uh, everything in one as like a calling card. Oh, that's awesome. And you're working it, on that now? Yeah, yeah. And when's that coming out? That, because uh, we have some people expecting children in, on our staff. Um, I also wanted to write the score. So that's going to take a while. So um, we'll probably go into production in October and then have it out by January 1st. And then I'll be a full year, a full year, five episodes, including a full musical number, I think is a pretty fucking good example of what I'm able to do. Hell yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, it's been like such a crazy, because again, like to do one thing, you have to show everyone you can do everything. Mm-hmm. And it's even it's even more for me because all they want out of me is like brown trauma porn, and it's like I'm sorry. I, what do you what do you want me to say about that? I I'm good. <laughs> like if if being fat is my only trauma, like I'm already exploiting the shit out of that on the internet. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> like is I, that? I'm, I'm, go ahead. Oh no, sorry. So like, but like, is that another thing that you like? You find people are asking you for like they're like primarily interested in like the the you're like hearing about your negative experiences yeah which i've had like a ton of like i have that for days i guess but like that's on that's out in the world already like i don't need to be a filipino lena waith like i already she's 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 got that covered i 
was on a Zoom show that was a fundraiser for anti-Asian hate. None of my white friends came to it. And we got Zoom bombed for like 15 minutes, like genital mutilation, Asians being shot in the head, hardcore porn, like all this stuff. I put it up. Instagram took it down. Like no one like and no one asked me how I was so fuck everyone who posted a black, yellow, red fucking square on your Instagram. Fuck all of you. Holy shit. I remember when you posted about that. I can't believe I got taken down, dude. That was like, I was not there, but I saw when you posted about it in the aftermath and that just sounds like it was so fucking horrifying. And I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Yeah, they they screamed the N-word at us for like five minutes, which was like... (laughs) This is an anti-Asian hate. Well, like, at least get your slurs right. Jesus they even bo- Christ. They didn't even bother to come correct. Racists so the- are not the smartest people oh we find. <laughs> uh, so uh, a writer on Trash Talking is Drew Landry. He's like a great stand-up comedian. Um, and he doesn't have much sketch experience, but he every episode he brings out like bangers, right? And in this last episode, he did a sketch called Not Racist, Racist. Uh, played by Mike Henderson and Lauren Parsons. Yes, that bit is so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just like it, the amount of people who check in on me about anti-Asian hate versus like, I don't know, like, how's your mom doing? Or are you okay? Like, you're, you're struggling. You're taking a lot of food pics. Uh, are you okay? Uh, none of that. I don't get any concern. No concern for that. But... Like, anti-Asian hate doesn't really affect me because I'm not getting hated on right now. Like, yeah, it sucks, but, like, talk to me about more than that. Like, Boldev and I have always been of, like, we want to make dick jokes, not brown dick jokes. We will never sacrifice joke lines for woke lines. Comedy for, like, anything is funny. Anything can be funny. Nobody can tell me. If with if done with the right thought and intention, anything is funny. I will, that will be the hill that I die on, for sure. <laughs> And 100 uh, percent, no topic is off limits. It is all about intention and your audience and context. And when that when when the Zoom bombers came, because it was a coordinated effort. That was the most upsetting part about it is that they took all this time to organize because they came in waves. Jesus. So as soon as some people. Yeah. So it was a very coordinated effort. And that's what upset. It wasn't what they were saying, what they were doing. I was like, oh, wow. They really took the time to, to do this. This is a Friday night for them. That's like a deep and very disturbed level of like yeah. hatred. Yeah. Right? Like it's just like that's that's a level of hatred that is like resulting in. Uh, I don't want to like lo- use like mental illness as a term lightly, but it's yeah. just like that's obsessive behavior. And it's like scary it's very scary it was very scary again not because of the subject matter which was awful it was the intent behind it and the coordination and the the thought that was to me very scary and what is to stop people from coming into a comedy club and doing that right and being a real real physical threat and presence so i mean i guess i'm just lucky people think i'm mexican (laughs) <laughs> i guess that's the t- that's the main takeaway right? so so ali it's been a couple years uh and i know you gave us advice last time but what now like uh with all of the things that you've learned since the last time we talked and everything you've learned about doing comedy and the industry what's a piece of advice you'd like to t- uh have our listeners take away um I think, so for stand-up, 
is just go right yeah don't don't think that you're better than an open mic just go to an open mic <laughs> an open mic an open mic should not be your social life and an open mic should you know that's work it's rehearsal it's work you're allowed to be bad go to them it's scary bring a friend talk about it later but like not going means someone else is doing it and you could just be doing it <laughs> right and then for sketch I think if you're on a sketch team, just for fun, what I wish we would have done is to submit blind. Don't put your names on it mm. and see you organically. There's there's bias in all of us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's there. Um, and also when you know what something is written by, you can kind of infer tone and you can, you know, if you, especially if you know those voices really well. So I think even if, if even just once a month, have a party and just write sketches, throw them in blind and then read them and have so much fun. That's probably the best thing that I've ever done. Um, and it really bonds you, ah. I think. Yeah. And for white people, <laughs> uh, when, you, when you're casting or writing or whatever, inclusivity and diversity does not have to be something you hammer over the head. Like, I don't want to be in your Asian sketches. I don't want to be in your BIPOC sketches. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about being oppressed. I don't, I don't give a shit. I want to vomit on the floor. I want to, you know, wear something ridiculous. If probably the most life changing thing for me out of Fembot was when Julia wrote her Parade of Biden sketch, mm -hmm. and she just told me to do a Biden impression. Like that was to me the only time I have ever seen true allyship in play it was so just do just do it just hone in on one thing and then that'll make the impression strong yeah and it was a very funny impression i like the moment when you were like you had your like you like your teeth out like yeah <laughs> it's very funny it's the only thing yeah it was the one thing that i saw that i was like oh i could yeah he he does a lot of teeth work yeah. and, and i and i know there are rooms that would have maybe not cast me in that role be just you know what I mean? Like that to me, I, I, that changed my life. And so I think that if if more people uh, applied that into their inclusivity plan, <laughs> that would be <laughs> that would be great. That, that would really be great. Like true colorblind casting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. if the, yeah. Yeah. Like stories, yeah. stories that are written about an experience rather than like you know what I mean? Like every little day things like the beach runner and trash talking. Everyone can relate to not finding your friends on a mm -hmm. beach. Doesn't matter what, what your race is. Yeah. Allie, it was so great to have you on. I know we've got trash talking is uh, currently out on YouTube. And so people can uh, check out uh, youtube.com backslash trash talking or Allie Lou. Fuck, what is it? God damn it. It's, it's trash talking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yes. And then, of course, uh, do you have any uh, any stand-up shows uh, coming up? Yeah, I'm uh, at Flappers on Sunday, August 1st at 9 o'clock. Katie Cassell is hosting a new shit show. Um, so we're going to try new material there. And then Drew Landry hosts a house party. I'll be there uh, August 6th. So just DM me for the address on Instagram. And then I'm very excited about Salty AF on August 13th at T-Pop. Uh, that's an excellent lineup. It's Sophia Zolan, Asif Ali, uh, myself, uh, hosted by Holly Ann Brown, who is a treat if you guys have not talked to her yet. 
Well, thank you again so much to Allie for coming on the podcast. It was so great to get to have her back and to talk to her again about everything she's been up to since we last spoke. Yes, again, you can check out uh, Trash Talking uh, on YouTube. And uh, if you like what we're doing, please uh, give us a like and subscribe and leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or favorite us on Spotify or just like bookmark us, you know, all the things. We really appreciate you listening. We really appreciate you listening to all of the podcasts on the Period Network. Speaking of. Yeah, if you like what you heard and you want to contribute to the network and continue to support women and uh, uh, she's and they's in podcasting, um, please go ahead and check out our Patreon, which we're going to tell you a little bit more about right now. Uh, Yes, we are the Period Podcast Network. We are a network made by she's and they's for everyone. And it's really cool. We're all working together. And the concept behind our network is that everybody, every single podcast that's on the network, we all kind of get paid the same. We are all working together to build up uh, build up each podcast like high tides, raise all ships. Uh, but we need your support in order to do that. <laughs> Kate, tell us a little bit about some of the podcasts that you can see on the Period Podcast Network. Oh my gosh, just so many great podcasts, starting with Tinseltown Tea, which is a movie review and Hollywood gossip podcast. There's Comadres y Comics, which is a podcast that highlights the Latinx community in comic book culture. There's Yes, a Stripper, a podcast about strippers and sex workers and interviews with people in those industries and their allies. There's Girl Boner, which is a health and sexuality and empowerment podcast. Elaine's Cooking for the Soul, which is a post-apocalyptic cooking podcast hosted in a dentist's office. Yes, it's very exciting. And we have a Patreon. Uh, We'd love uh, to see your support if we could. Uh, Because, you know, the best way to support is not only just to listen and to appreciate and share, but also, you know, share some of the dollar dollar if you got it. And our price is not high. For $5 a month, you can get um, uh, you get an exclusive zine that is created by all of the uh, all of the participants on the network. Uh, we're creating some really cool artwork, some articles, some poetry. It's really, really neat. And then at $10 a month, you can uh, you'll get exclusive bonus content from each of the uh, each of the podcasts. Uh, it's very exciting. There's also a bigger option for like a group Zoom that's like $20. And we highly suggest that because we're all very fun people. So check it out. If you support Uh, marginalized voices in podcasting if you feel like there should be more of them which you should guilt 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 uh check out all of the podcasts on the network you can go to periodpodcastnetwork.com uh you can also find a link to our patreon there thank you so much uh for joining us again and if you can please support the network and support as much as you can women in podcasting and women in in comedy and women in all things the comedy girl press.